Well, good morning once again. It is so good to see all of you. And as Christian said, those of you that are joining us online and you're in that new chat room feature, hopefully you're getting an opportunity to use that and interact with other people that are following us online. Uh, as well as our Shepherd's Gate camping group, there's about 50 or 60 people that are huddled around a camper right now and a, and a flat screen TV that are also live streaming the, surface, uh, the service in their camping chairs. So hi to all of you as well. Isn't technology great? You can just connect everybody. Uh, to be part of what's going on. And today is a really important day as we launch this brand new sermon series called Forward. And I'm so glad that you're here. If you're a guest, we want, to know, we want you to know especially how glad that we are that, you, that you're here and how much we value you and just appreciate you being here. And the sermon series, you're going to kind of get a peek behind the curtain. Uh, but when I say that, it, you're getting a peek behind the curtain, but this is actually a pretty open and transparent congregation. And so uh, the way that we do things here is to be open and honest about the state of our church, the state of our community, and what's going on in the life of our church. So there's not really a curtain that you need to peek behind, but you're going to get to see kind of some of the inner workings of the things that take place here at Shepherd's Gate. And also pray about maybe this is a place that God would have you call home if you don't necessarily have a home church uh, that you have connected with yet. See, our church has been in a very strategic time the last uh, few years. Uh, in fact, uh, something happened on April 30th, 2017. Do any of you remember what happened April 30th, 2017 here in the life of the church? Same response at 8.30. I was, actually, uh, I was actually installed as the lead pastor. Like, you guys trusted me <laughs> to be the lead pastor. <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the crazy part. I, I, went, I, I was uh, really excited, and I went to bed, and I woke up on Monday, May 1st, 2017, and I went into my office, and I said, wow, I'm the lead pastor of Shepherd's Gate Church, Right? And all of a sudden, there's this new responsibility on me to figure out, okay, where is it that this church is going to head? What is it that we're going to focus on? God, what is it that you have for us in this season? And it's crazy to think that that was actually two and a half years ago now. And it feels like it went by like that. And I want to tell you this, what we have been purposely focused on, the, the, the way that we have driven ministry around here from our connecting events to our picnics to every sermon and sermon series has been around you and developing community with the people that call Shepherd's Gate home. We went into a season of just kind of honestly circling the wagons and saying, hey, we need to strengthen our congregation. We need to pull our congregation together. We need our congregation to spend more time building each other up and getting to know each other. And so we did all of these things on purpose to try to, try to bring people into community to strengthen those relationships. People that, that had maybe left Shepherd's Gate, we were intentional about inviting them back and saying, hey, if you haven't found a home church out there, maybe God would call you to come back and be part of this faith community again. And over the last two and a half years, it's been amazing to see as many of those families have come back here and are part of this community and God has strategically placed them here to help us move forward into what he has for us. Uh, even though we didn't really have kind of an outward focus and that really wasn't kind of, you know, the, the goal of our sermons or sermon series, God continued to fill our new member classes. You remember that? We were kind of like, wow, people keep wanting to become part of our church and we're not even making that kind of the focus. And then these incredible people from Living Hope of the Bay uh, Church, they came over and they said, hey, we want to be part of your church. And so many of them became part of the family here at Shepherd's Gate. And so all of these exciting things are taking place and continue to take place. 
And so what we've been on is this kind of journey of saying, okay, God, now that, that, that we've brought you know, the church together, now that we've focused on strengthening the church, what's next? God, what do you have next for us as a congregation? What do you have next for the next five years of this place that we love, that we call home? And really what it starts with is actually the mission of the church. And do you know what the mission of the church is? The mission of the church, capital C, which is all the churches all over the world that proclaim the gospel, and this church, Shepherd's Gate, it actually hasn't changed. The mission always remains the same. And the reason the mission always remains the same is because Jesus is the one who gave us the mission of the church. And it's captured in different letters and different books of the Bible. And I want you to see it because one of them I already quoted today in the baptism. Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, he captured it this way where Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. He gives this to the disciples who now have passed this on to us. Mark captured it this way. Jesus said to them, go into all the world, all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, said it this way, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And you notice so far in this, this doesn't really seem like it's an option. Like Jesus didn't say, well, if, if, you, if you want, you can do this. He's like, really, I mean, the you is understood in some of these statements that you're going to do this. And then Acts, who was actually written by Luke, who interviewed the eyewitnesses, who interviewed some of the disciples, uh, this is really his great commission. This is really his, his, his mission that God laid on his heart. And in Acts 1.8, he wrote it this way. Jesus said to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to tell people about me in Jerusalem, your town. And in Judea, your surrounding community. And Samaria, that, that, that greater metropolitan area. And honestly, to the ends of the earth. And isn't it interesting when you look at these four statements, that three out of the four specifically talk about why this message has to go to the world right? This has to go out to all nations, to everyone, that we are to preach the gospel. See, the mission doesn't change. The words used to describe the mission may change. Different churches use different verbiage to describe it, but at the end of the day, the church has always had one mission, proclaim Jesus Christ, and to tell people what Jesus Christ can do for their lives. And because God sent his one and only son to this earth, to live a perfect life, to ultimately die for you and for me on the cross. That three days later, he would rise from the dead. He would do something that we couldn't do for ourselves. He would defeat sin so that you and I could experience eternal life with God the Father. This is incredible news for you and for me. And this is the news that he's charged us with sharing with a lost world. And so we believe that it's time now for us to figure out what it is that we need to do to move forward into what God has next for Shepherd's Gate. And so back at the beginning of this year, as we began praying about this, as we began the Holy Spirit stirring our hearts about a new season and, 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 and kind of taking those next steps into what he has for us as a church, we were talking about, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to get some groups together and kind of formulate, maybe have a new mission statement and then really come up with a five-year vision plan and what that's going to look like? And so I began to read books and others on staff began to investigate and dive into this. And our church council, which I am so grateful for, 
Our church council made up of members said, hey Tim, maybe you want to get an outside perspective. Maybe this would be a strategic time to have somebody come alongside you and the rest of the staff and the leadership of this church and to kind of have an outside view of what's going on here at Shepherd's Gate and also an outside view of what's going on in our community. And so we went around and we looked at different groups that do this, different organizations that do this, and we ended up uh, partnering with the Unstuck Group. Isn't that a great name? And then their tagline, we help churches get unstuck. And so back in May, we entered into a partnership with them. In June, we sent them all of our information and they were doing all this analysis. And then just a month ago, we had someone here for a two-day retreat. And uh, for 15 hours, Saturday and Sunday, there were five staff members and five members of the congregation. And this was really important to me that we had five staff and five members of the congregation that were made up of all ages and stages and seasons of life that came together that walked through this process that he took us through as he did a deep dive on who we are as Shepherd's Gate and and the journey that we've been on and what we feel God is leading our church to do in the future. And one of the big things that, that, that we took away from this, one of the things that he kind of helped us see is that we were challenged to become students of our community. And I'll be honest with you, that, that hasn't really been our focus the last two and a half years. Our focus, again, has been on community here at Shepherd's Gate and bringing our church together and strengthening our church. And thanks be to God, he's kept his hand upon this place and we've seen some incredible things take place because of that. But now he challenged us to become students of our community And he began to tell us that if you just look at Metro Detroit, right, there's over 4 million people that live in Metro Detroit. Did you know that? Am I the only one that didn't know that? I I guess I now know why Hall Road is so busy, right? (laughs) No wonder the Van Van Dyke Freeway is always a parking lot at 4.35 o'clock. There's a lot of people that live in our area. And this seems overwhelming, right? Hey, Shepherd's Gate, we're going to go after 4 million people. You guys all on board with this? Right? So luckily, he narrowed it down to Macomb County for us, where there's 871,375 people currently living in just Macomb County. Now listen, I know some of you live outside of Macomb County, okay? I know some of you live in Oakland, you might live in Wayne, you might live in Lapeer, St. Clair, wherever that may be. But this is where the church is at. So he was trying to hone in on where our church is at and help us get some data and some analysis. Now out of that number, how many people do you think claim that they do not have faith out of the people that live in Macomb County, out of that 871,000, how many would you say? 20%? 50? So he popped this chart up for us right here. He said, here's the religious trends in just, again, Macomb County. I want you to look all the way to the right People that have no faith. They say, I don't have faith. I I don't claim any faith. 470,858. More than 50%. And then he said this. Oh, by the way, this is the data from the 2010 census. Data from the 2010 census. So let me ask you this. When we go to do the 2020 census, do you think that number on the right is going to go up or down? Man, what is going on in our community? What is going on in the hearts and the lives of the people that we interact with at work and on the soccer fields and at coffee shops and right down the street from us? 
Why is it that more and more people are saying, you know, I just don't know what I believe or if I really want to believe anything. What is it that's going on? It was pretty interesting because one of the tasks that I was given was to kind of do some research and to go back and kind of look at the history of our churches. Our church is relatively young. I mean, we're not even 40 years old yet. And so I was looking back at when the church first started and kind of throughout the decades, the different targets that this church had. And it was interesting going all the way back to the beginning when there's only seven families and they set out to plant this church in Shelby Township to reach the community. And I found this. This was kind of the data that they had just 40 years ago that this area, Shelby, Utica, and Sterling Heights has over 200,000 people and at least 80,000 of them have no church. 80,000. Their target was 80,000. Again, 40 years later and you're up to a half a million people. And I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a bunch of homes going up. Trees keep getting knocked down, right? There's more and more people coming in to this area. And this number can seem so just overwhelming, right? Man, God, is that what you've called us to do? Is that what you are asking us to do is to reach those, to come alongside those that don't know the hope they can have with you? God, how do we go about even beginning to begin to begin to even, uh, you know, try to figure out, God, to do the mission that you've called us to do. Here's some other interesting data that he gave us that I thought you, you would be interested in this morning. Um, these are the three major groups with, which are within a 15-mile radius of Shepherd's Gate. Now, there's more groups in this, but these are kind of the three major groups, apparently, that kind of surround Shepherd's Gate. And the first one is called Comfortable Empty Nesters. Doesn't that sound nice? Who doesn't want to be a comfortable empty nester? Some of you are like, I'm a comfortable empty nester. Here, let me help you out because this is the definition. Residents in this large growing segment are older with nearly half of all households aged 55 or older may still live in the suburbs where they grew up. Most are professional workers in government, healthcare, or manufacturing. These baby boomers are earning a comfortable living and benefiting from years of prudent investing and saving. Their net worth is well above average. Many are enjoying the transition from child rearing to retirement, and they value their health and financial well-being. How's that sound? Some of you, is that clicking with you? Does that sound, is that you? We just don't know it? Like, that's you? You're living, that, you're living the dream, right? Here's the, here's the second one. Savvy suburbanites. Doesn't that one sound cool, too? Maybe this is you this morning. Savvy suburbanites, or maybe these are the people that live on your street. Their residents are well-educated, well-read, and well-capitalized. Families include empty nesters and empty nester wannabes. (laughs) It's because they still have adult children at home. Located in older neighborhoods outside the urban core, their suburban lifestyle includes home remodeling and gardening, plus the active pursuit of sports and exercise. They enjoy good food and wine, plus the amenities of the city's cultural events. I mean, this is really good news if you own a winery, right? <laughs> I mean, you, here's, your, here's your target right here, these people. And then the last one, and again, we're not going to be able to go through all of them. These were just the top three of our area that he gave us was soccer moms. But listen to the definition that he gave us for soccer moms. He said, soccer moms is an affluent, family-oriented market with a country flavor. Doesn't that sound nice? Residents are partial to new housing away from the bustle of the city, but close enough to commute to professional job centers. Life in the suburban wilderness offsets the hectic pace of two working parents with growing children. 
And how many homes do we know where you got two working parents, right, and they're raising their families? They favor time-saving devices like banking online and housekeeping services and family-oriented pursuits. Does this sound like our community, right? Does this sound like the people that you run into at the coffee shops and in your neighborhoods and the grocery stores, the people that you interact with day by day? It's interesting, as he did another analysis of our area, he said the median age is actually 41 years old within a 15-mile radius of Shepherd's Gate. I thought this was pretty good considering what I just read you, right? This means there's a lot of people out there. There's still a lot of young people. There's still a lot of young families. There's still a lot of kids. We know this because our schools are packed out and our high schools are huge in this area. What do you think the median age of Shepherd's Gate is? Anybody have any guesses? 62. 52. 48. 58. Ready for this? We're 42, which is really young. Do you know why? Because I'm about to turn 42, okay? <laughs> I can speak from experience. This is a young, young age. But here's the reality for us, church. Just go back to 2006, and we were 33. This trend is not a good thing for a church, just so you know. This is like the, the, the frog in the, in the kettle pot, right? Just slowly but surely getting older and older. And you go, okay, we have, we have this data and we have this analysis. What does this mean, God? What is it that, that, that you are putting on our hearts? What do, you, what do we do about this information and I'll be honest with you, since I left youth ministry several years ago, I haven't done as much with understanding the generations and the way the generations work together. And uh, just recently, because of all this and having the consultant here and looking at other things that we have going on here at Shepherd's Gate, it, gave, it kind of forced me to have to go back and kind of look at what's taking place and the generations have actually shifted. See, I just thought, because we talk about millennials a lot, right? We talk about millennials now more than we talk about any other generation. And it's funny because the other generations actually get annoyed with the fact that we talk about the millennials, almost like the word millennial is a cuss word, right? Like those millennials, right? And the millennials don't like that other people talk about them that way. But it's kind of interesting because when you look at it, the millennials, the Gen Y generation, the youngest one is 23 years old. They're already in the workforce, They've already bought homes. A lot of them are already married and have kids and they're beginning to raise their families. It's interesting, like the builder generation, you know, one of the greatest generations ever. You guys came back from, from World War II and you gave us the boomers, right? And you guys were the largest generation. You had this huge impact on our society. And then all of a sudden, Gen X, nobody talks about them anymore, just so you know, right? <laughs> Try Googling Gen X, it's what I am. You won't even find an article that's new. It'll all be from 10 years ago. It's like everyone just jumps from the boomers to the, to the millennials. And it seems like the, the people that are most annoyed by the millennials are the boomers. And then you go, but wait a second, the, the millennials are the, bloomers, are the boomers' kids. So how does that work, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, we have this new generation on the scenes, 
And all of a sudden, Gen Z, which they're trying to figure out, and I've just done some preliminary investigation, just some preliminary work, and those of you that are builders, right, those, that have, that, those of you that have watched this thing unfold, and you go, oh, man, the boomers, oh, man, Gen X, oh, Gen Y, is there any hope before God takes me from this planet? Here's some good news for you builders today, is that Gen Z is starting to show characteristics of the builder generation. Isn't that interesting? But yet all of these generations in the context of a church have to figure out how to come together and be united under one mission and continue to pour into each other and speak into each other's lives because again, here at Shepherd's Gate, we're a family. And I have to be honest with you, one of the hardest things about looking at the generations is actually looking at the Gen Ys. See, the Gen Ys were the students that I had in youth group when I was the student director here. And I had many of them, many, many of them that came through the youth, youth program that I took on retreats and mission trips and they'd come here on Wednesday nights and I got to be part of their lives and actually watch them grow up during a critical part of their lives. Many of them that have asked me to do their weddings, many of them have asked me to be part of special times in their lives. And I thought two and a half years ago, okay, when I become lead pastor, many of them that are starting to buy their first home and get married and starting to have their kids, they're just going to naturally come back because they know me, right? Wouldn't you make that same conclusion? They should just come back? Like, I know you. I had you in youth group. This makes sense. And guess what? That's not the case. Most of them have not reconnected to the church. Most of them, it's not because they moved away. They're actually in the area, but they're not connected to what takes place here at Shepherd's Gate. And it kills me. It absolutely, it kills me. In fact, I was just meeting with one of them a few weeks ago that, that doesn't really come on a regular basis, and he was one of the most faithful kids in youth group. And I just said, what is it? Is it me? Are you guys just sick of hearing me? Is it something else? Is it the way that we do church? Is it the music? Is it the preaching? What is it? Is it the pink color on the wall? Whatever it is. Like, what is it that's preventing you guys from being part of the life of this church and the exciting things that God is doing in and through it? And he just looked at me and he said, you really take this personally, don't you? And I said, yes, I do, absolutely. And we need to figure this out. We need to become students of that generation of these young families and what's taking place. We need to become students and figure out, God, what is it you're calling us to do? And God, how can we reach this next generation. And I know when I first uh, came on board and I went around and I did my small group tours and I went and I visited every single small group and now I realize I'm in a phase where I got to start meeting with these, with these um, groups of young families and saying, what is it that we can do for you? What is it that Shepherd's Gate can do for you? How can we serve your family? Help us navigate what this looks like for the future of our church because we love you and we value you and yes, you are part of our community. And you know, God has a way of just orchestrating the, the timing of things because even just this last week, uh, I was at the uh, pastor's conference uh, with Pastor Craig and Pastor John. And so if you didn't know, our church here is part of a denomination. We're part of what's called the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Or you'll hear a lot of people just say LCMS for short. And every year, every October, we go to this pastor's conference. And there's over 500 pastors and wives from just the Michigan district that attend and normally I don't come back and give you a report because usually they don't have good news to share with us and so I just don't really feel like I should share that with you. But because of what's taking place here, I felt that now this year would be good for you to know what's actually going on in our denomination. Uh, one of the speakers that spoke, he said, uh, he said this, he said, the LCMS, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, is now whiter 
and more English-speaking than the Mormon church. I want you to think about that for a moment. And then he followed it up by saying this, and the Mormon church not too long ago had rules, had laws about having people from other races being part of their church. How did that happen? Shepherd's Gate, they told us this, that now the LCMS church is on a 50-year decline. 50 years our denomination is in free fall. Now again, this isn't different than most other mainline denominations, but there is, there is an element of concern in this. If you were to zero in on, on this picture, you would see that many of the pastors that are part of this are actually boomers. And so they're telling us that in the next five and 10 and 15 years, they're worried about the state of the synod because many of them are gonna retire leaving vacancies in the pulpit and the seminaries aren't producing enough guys to become pastors to fill all of these vacancies and so they're worried the church is gonna start fighting for pastors. What's going on in the community around us? What's going on right in our denomination alone? God, what is it that you have specifically for us, Shepherd's Gate? Why have you uniquely positioned us right here on 23 Mile in an industrial area next to a, a really busy freeway? God, what kind of impact can we make in our community and in the world? So let me just recap where we're at today, right? Our denomination, we know it's on a substantial decline. There's a whole lot of people that claim they have no faith that we rub shoulders with every single day. Our median age as a church is growing. This, you, this new young families generation is actually disconnected. And our church for the last two and a half years has hit a plateau, right? We're doing church, we've brought the church together and now we are asking God, God, how do you want us to move forward? So here's my questions for you this morning. What are we willing to do? What are we as a church willing to do now that you know this information, now that you've been brought into the conversation, now that you can see kind of the state of our church and the state of our community that God has placed us in? And maybe even more of an important question is, what is it that God is actually calling us to do? What unique position and purpose does he have for this church in this time? Because this is what we believe needs to happen. That we actually not only have to be students to our community, we have to become missionaries to our community. And I want you to think about that word. See, if you were sent to a foreign country, if we said you're gonna go and you're gonna plant a church, or you're gonna go and share the gospel in a foreign country, what does that look like for you? You're not going to go and just put up a church building and hope that people come. You're going to study the culture. You're going to study the language. You're going to study the demographics. You're going to study people's eating patterns and, and what they value and their recreational habits and, and, their, and, the, and the things that they do with their families. You're going to get to know that community and then you're going to ask God to give you the insight and the wisdom of what that looks like to reach the community that God has placed you in. And I want you to hear this. When I say we become missionaries to our community, I believe this includes our homes. The sons and daughters of Shepherd's Gate that we know that are out there, that we got to figure out how to bring them back in. And maybe if we don't bring them back in here, at least we figure out a way to connect them so that they're in a growing and thriving church. And also that we would be used by God to reach our neighborhoods. That maybe by being in the presence of Jesus, that someone who's far from Christ or doesn't know Christ or checks the no faith box on a census, 
would come to know the saving knowledge and power of Jesus Christ and what he can do in their lives. So let me ask it this way. What do you think our community needs from us as a church? This is what I want you to think about the next week, all right, as we walk through this sermon series. What is it that our community needs from us? What can we start doing? What are some ways that maybe we need need to shift and to kind of change and look at things from a different perspective to actually impact those who are around us? And I know this is a lot to take in. I know this is a lot of information to kind of process. Maybe some of you, you're surprised by this. Maybe some of you, you're not surprised by this. But here's the good news today. Here's the really good news today is that God is actually still in control. That in Acts 1.8, when he said those words to the disciples and he ascended to heaven, he sits at right hand of God the Father and nothing takes him by surprise. He knew that we would be in the situation that we're in today. And isn't it amazing that God actually trusts us? I mean, think about it. He could have put you and I in one of those communities, one of those Bible Belt communities where the the slide looks a little different, where 99% of the community knows Jesus, and we're all just trying to figure out how to go after the 1% that remains, right? No, God trusts you and trusts me to be born in Metro Detroit, to be part of this community for this time, that maybe we could be used by God to impact those around us who don't know Christ. So here's my final challenge for you today. Are you willing to become a missionary with us together to do the research, to pray, to be so bold as to humble ourselves and say, God, there may be some changes that need to be made. Maybe there's some shifts that have to take place in the way that we've always done church. And yeah, we've gotten comfortable and God, you've kept your hand upon things. God, you've been so faithful to this congregation. But man, it's worth it to reach our sons and daughters, it's worth it to reach our community if that is what you are leading us into and that is what you're calling us to do. So again, for this next week, that's what I would just ask you to do. If you're married, talk to your spouse. If you're in a small group, talk to your small group. If you've got friends here at Shepherd's Gate, talk to them and begin to just have open dialogue about what that looks like and then make sure you're here for the next three weeks. As we begin to unfold and unpack from the data that we've gotten and, and, and the things that we've looked at, what well, we believe that God is leading us to focus on these next few years in the future of this church so that we can move forward together into what he has for us because God tells us that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even dream or think about it because it's his power that's at work in our lives. So again, inviting you. Will you go on this journey with us? Will you be missionaries with us? And let's figure this out together. Sound good? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so humbled and grateful. God, for the amazing grace and mercy that you've given each and every one of us. God, I'm just so in awe of this congregation and the love that they have for each other, the love that they have for you. God, in their heart's desire to want to do your will. God, we know that you have more in store for this congregation. God, we want to humble ourselves. We want to be obedient to what it is that you've called us to do. So God, would you continue to pour your wisdom and your guidance into the leadership of this church. 
God, would you pour your wisdom and guidance into to the members of this church? God, we know the devil's gonna try to get in and he's gonna try to cause division. He's gonna try to cause just all sorts of havoc. And we just pray that you would put a hedge of protection around our church. God, we recognize you as the head of this church. It is you that's leading and guiding us. And God, we wanna come in line with your will and your purpose and your plan for the future. So God, we humble ourselves before you. We ask God for these next three weeks that you are gonna lead and you are gonna guide and you're gonna speak to our hearts and you're gonna speak to our minds and you're gonna help us to see the world as you see it. And God, ultimately, as we look back many, many years later, we're gonna see that it was, a, that it was you that was at work in the lives of your people. So God, we just love you and we thank you and we are excited about the journey that you have us on. God, continue to speak to our hearts and our lives. We love you and we thank you. It is in your son's most holy and precious name that we pray.